press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater. Pop culture. Love. And life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, we're on the the brink of a three days in a row of recording podcasts. And I am like feeling so excited. The last one we recorded, which just came out earlier this week, was with Casey Likes from Almost Famous. It put me in the best mood. I was like, I love doing this. I love podcasting. Wow. you <laughs> That's amazing. Me too. I know. That was a really refreshing convo. Yeah. And it, feel, it feels like a good kickstart into our upcoming three-year anniversary. We're really mm-hmm. refreshed and recharged as we go. I know. You know. It's so weird because as we were saying our little welcome to drama, blah, 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 I was thinking to myself, I remember I used to have a paper in front of me. Yeah. It, like, it, it, yes, it was our show. Yes, it, it's our podcast, blah, blah, blah. We, we'd recorded many episodes, but I used to like rely on the script to tell yeah. me what was next, what I was forgetting. And now, I mean, how times have changed, you know? There are times I won't even glance at our notes throughout. Same, same, yeah. same, same. The name on everybody's lips lately is obviously Leah Michelle. And I just jokingly mentioned it beforehand. And there was breaking news today that there's going to be a Discovery Plus documentary series, only three parts. So clearly it's been storyboarded and everything. Okay. About Glee. It's going to be testimonials from cast members, close friends, family, stuff like that. And I just feel like there's like this Glee fever happening again. I need to ask you the most, the most important question about all of this, Dylan, though, is what is Discovery Plus? <laughs> now, I don't know that one. Is it... the only? Here's what I'm going to say. I know about it because Trixie Mattel's TV series, Trixie Motel, took right. place on Discovery Plus. Right, right, right. Okay, now that you say this, my friend Elspeth, who told me about Trixie's Motel, also mentioned to me that if I want to watch Trixie's Motel, or whatever the show is called... Trixie Motel, yeah. Trixie Motel. There's an Army Hammer expose documentary about him and his family. And so Discovery Plus is really kind of cornering the market on exposés, I guess. They're, they're, um. It's the new E True. The new E True. Mm -hmm. Are cast and crew going to be involved in this doc? None confirmed, I would imagine. But, you know, I just feel like it's been on everyone's minds lately, you know, with Leah Michelle doing Funny Girl. And, I don't know, it's been like over 10 years now since Glee came out. I want to say it was like 2009, 2010. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's been that long? Yeah, because we were sophomores in high school. Okay, we were freshmen when the pilot aired. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I'm excited for this. Very true. <laughs> I don't know how I'll watch it, having just learned two bombshells, like the, the Discovery Plus exists and also that this Glee documentary is coming out. So this is, this is kind of breaking news, but I'm sure I'll find a way to, um, I, to I watch. I just wonder, you know... I hope it's done sensitively. I mean, obviously that there's been a lot of tragedy that surrounded that cast after all these years and a lot of controversy. Everyone wanted to know what was happening on that set. Tensions were running high. They were constantly rehearsing musical numbers, recording. I I don't know. It's just sometimes the mystery, like what's behind the curtain is more magical than actually peeking behind it. But I suppose part of what I love about this podcast is peeking behind the curtain. So yeah. And I think, you know, we'll peek behind the curtain on something else today, another reality series. But it's, oh. I don't know, it's interesting. But Glee, I think, is its own thing because of everything that's happened in the years since. And it sort of came out 
right during the explosion of Twitter. So it's a yeah. it's an interesting look into the the cultural zeitgeist and yeah. like we'll talk about it today. It's fascinating. So I hope I hope the documentary has I'm I don't know if what the log line is for what the series is, but I'm yeah. curious to see what it completely covers. Another thing that has captivated our hearts and minds for years now, it was Legally Blonde, The Search for Elle Woods, which can I just put, go on the record and say for years, you and I thought the title was Legally Blonde, The Search for the Next Elle Woods. Right, 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 right. Now, why did we think that? I don't know. Because I think we definitely called it The Search for the Next. For years. For years and years and years. Anyways, we have one of the finalists from that show on today who has created this incredible career for herself beyond it. And I must also mention this feels kind of like a treat because we did talk to Lena Hall in the last two months and she gave us a tasty treat behind the scenes about it. Uh huh. We need a discovery plus sponsored by drama search for Elle Woods podcast miniseries. Yeah. And this is we're going to start. Here's where we're going to start with it. I'm going to bring in our guest, please. Oh my God, you guys, our guest today is a stage and screen star who stole all of our hearts in the iconic reality series, Legally Blonde, The Search for Elle Woods on MTV, where she placed fifth in line to appear on Broadway. This showbiz kid had a significant recurring role on ABC's The Middle as Debbie, TV Land's Lopez, and TNT's Major Crimes. She guest starred on 13 Reasons Why, 911 Lone Star, Castle, Hannah Montana, and so much more. As a voice actress, she was a series regular and the titular role on Disney Jr.'s Goldie and Bear, as well as Justice League Action, Spider-Man, Craig of the Creek, and Animaniacs. Our guest has also voiced roles in prominent video games such as Saints Row, Final Fantasy, God of War, and my personal favorite, Fire Emblem. She wrote and performs a one-woman show called Illegally Brunette, The Search for Myself, a musical journey based on her actual journal entries from her time filming the MTV reality series. She'll be bringing it to 54 Below on October 21st and 23rd. So get your tickets now. Please welcome to drama, Natalie Lander. Oh my God, you guys. Thanks for having me. That was the perfect way to respond. <laughs> it's the only way to respond, I think, yes. for, for what we're doing yes. here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And what a great intro. I get, it's funny when you like hear things you've done back and it's like, oh yeah. I guess I do those things. <laughs> That's so funny. And then I also go, oh, God, I'm old. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you're not. But you look just as young as you did on the search for Elle Woods. Oh, and perhaps even younger. I'm going to need your doctor's phone number. But anyway, no, you look amazing, <laughs> Natalie. And yes. you're so cute. I wish it was a visual medium, if only so everyone could see you. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I, I do live in LA, so I do have a few good doctors. <laughs> You're so funny. I also have to say, I don't know if this is strategic or not, but you are wearing a signature pink. Oh, it's strategic. Yeah. yeah this is okay. fully calculated. Also, I am in the middle of re-rehearsing my show to bring it to New York next week. And so right next to me is some props. <laughs> that oh. I have. We have a bruiser doll. I'll explain it to the listeners. Yes. So I've got my bruiser here. Yeah, I have a couple other, like a lot of pink. Oh my gosh, wow. I'm yeah, getting so them. fun. Excited. And you just finished, you wrapped up a summer run of this show. And we will jump into chatting all about it because I know that yeah. our listeners are going to absolutely jump on the opportunity to go and see you in this last minute ticket buying culture we see these days. But we do like yeah. to ask our guests before we jump on this roller coaster that is drama, are you well? You know, 
<laughs> that's a tough question sometimes for me and you mean like just well or mentally stable you know it's <laughs> it's a day-to-day journey um no I am doing really well I will say this last year has been a really exciting year for me preparing for this show has been such a a creative reward in my life that I've discovered. And so I feel, I feel really fulfilled and happy and excited. I think that's doing Um, well. Yes, I would say so. Your energy is incredible. I'm happy for you. I mean, you're sharing your journal entries in this performance. Like, were you kind of like, I'm going to edit this part out and not include that line? Or were you like, no, this is, this is the eat your Hollywood story version of what happened. Well, yeah, I I definitely took some liberties with my journal. I left all the cringy things in. Like, <laughs> I mean, I I found the journal a couple of years ago when I was moving, and I was like, what what is this thing? And I read it, and I was like, oh my god, I was such an idiot and <laughs> so naively enthusiastic and almost inflated, you know, because I think in reading the journal, I really re- realized now as an adult looking back, I was really trying to convince myself that I had this real chance and I could really do this. When I really think I had a lot of fear and self-doubt and insecurities. But then what was also interesting was that I took a full year to write the show based on the journals. And my partner who worked with me, a gentleman named Matt Levitt, I would take a journal entry, I'd kind of write a monologue about it, and then I would tell it to him, and then he would sort of interview me about it, ask me more questions, which then would trigger memories of the experience that I didn't have in the journal, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot this happened, and so it's all true, it's all my real point of view, and it's a lot of all real true stories from the shoot. Wow, that is such an amazing thing that I think for years people like Connor and I thought was such a niche, you know, only some people really watched it. You know, it was a Broadway show, like a show behind a show. But then like, as the years have gone on, I think we realized that everyone in our generation watched the show and Mm -hmm. was obsessed with it. And the thirst was obviously there when you all reunited a couple of years ago at 54 below, but mm, there's so many questions I have for you right now. I literally have so many questions. (laughs) Were were you surprised? Let's start kind of in backwards order. Were you surprised about this sort of thirst for the search for Elle Woods behind the scenes content? Yeah, because, you know, when the show originally came out, you know, it was like you guys were saying about Glee, this came out the year before, so 2008. And also, I have a little glee tidbit for you. I'll share. That'll be my drama. Ooh, okay, okay. And so we'll <laughs> save that. And so in 2008, you know, it was really like there was no Instagram. You know, Facebook really wasn't what, what it is. Not all these things. Yeah. And so the show, when it aired, wasn't super... It wasn't that it wasn't well received, but I don't think it really did anything that on a level anyone hoped or thought it would be. So definitely when it kind of had this resurgence on YouTube and especially during the pandemic and this younger generation started watching it and getting so invested and involved in it. I mean, I was definitely surprised because it was 10 years later, really, people were like discovering it, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like I don't even know where to begin. I, and I, I want I want you to save some stuff for the live performance as well. So I don't want you to give away all the secrets. But I guess so when the show was airing, did y'all watch it week to week when it was on or were you given screeners as like a little heads up? No, we watched it live. I had viewing parties at my house. 
I really kept the secret of how far I made it. Although it was pretty stupid because I came back to LA bleach blonde. When I came back, everyone was like, something happened, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, It was funny because I remember asking the producers, they turned me blonde and then I got kicked off and I went back home and I was like, should I dye my hair brown to like keep up the the ruse? And and they're like, oh, nah. They didn't think it through because they should have had me dye it back because immediately I came home and everyone's like, well, <laughs> we know some, we right. know you made it somewhere because you're blonde. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that's so funny. So, did you were you kept on production the entire time it filmed, or when you were eliminated, did they did you get to go home right away? No. So I when I got eliminated, there was like my episode and then two episodes after that. And we shot one episode like every three days. Okay. So, or even less, I think even towards the end. So by the time I was eliminated, there was only about four or five days left of production. So I stayed in New York and they brought us all back for the finale. I stayed in New York. I stayed, they sequestered me in a hotel. But, you know, I also like had a fling with the PA. <laughs> 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 oh, that's so funny. Oh, my God. I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> you really won in the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really did. So, yeah, you know, I just, like, hung out in New York for the couple days and then shot the finale, and then we all went home. But I know some of the girls who got eliminated earlier were sent all the way home, and then, like, Kathy S., who got eliminated, was sent to L.A. and then got brought back. Huh. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So who who was the final? Was it Rhiannon, and Autumn Bailey and who was the Lauren. Lauren? Lauren. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What, okay. what was your relationship to Legally Blonde the musical like before your relationship to Legally Blonde the musical changed forever by getting on the show? You know, I remember like really enjoying the music, but I think I didn't really know much about it until I auditioned for the reality show. So I wasn't one of those girls that was like, this is my favorite thing in the world universe. I'm obsessed with it. I remember not really knowing the show. And as I was going through the audition process, even, and there was a whole audition process in Los Angeles before we even went to New York. So then that's when I was like getting familiar with the score and being like, oh my God, this is great. I love this. And I, I was a big fan of the movie. And I remember watching the MTV, you know, live broadcast of it. So I I was familiar with it, but I wasn't like a super fan. The audition process, did you just see like an open call or? Yeah. So my friend, Mason McCauley, he worked at Pepperdine. I went to Pepperdine for college and I had graduated, but my friend Mason, he was working at the school in the theater department as like an adjunct faculty. And I guess MTV had sent open call notice flyer to Pepperdine theater department because they figured young girls would want to audition. And my friend Mason was like, sent it to me. and was like, they sent this to Pepperdine, but like, you should go. It was the night before the audition, the open call. And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, you have to do it. You have to do it. You you know, you're going to get it and all this stuff. I'm like, oh. I don't know. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. Yeah. Well, who cares? And I went to the open call. I got there at like six in the morning. And I remember no one else was there at six in the morning except for me and Kathy S. Oh, my goodness. And then it was like a couple girls showed up as the morning went on. And then I remember Rhiannon was there. And she was like one of the 10 girls to show up. And I think they saw about 
I don't remember what, how many they saw in LA, but I want to say like 500 or something Holy like a lot. Molly. Yeah. They saw like 3000 girls over the country total to narrow it down. There was yeah. something in the sauce with the early auditionees that day. I mean, it is one of those things where it's like, who knows if it's just like, I was, we were the first and they were like, Oh, they'll, they'll work. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> They're good enough. We'll just throw them in there. Maybe they all started to blend together as the day went on. But I will say each of you are unique. And I I think that there was something magical about every single girl that was ultimately cast on that show. So all casting conspiracies aside, I think you deserved your spot on the show. I remember I was also, I was like, oh, she's brunette. Like that was something that was interesting about you. That, you know, there was like Bailey was blonde and, you know, the way it was produced, I think it was like, you know, she was probably like a favorite from the get, but because she would be a more obvious choice, but you were brunette, Autumn was redhead, Selena was redhead, so. Literally, we were obsessed with the show. It was appointment viewing. I mean, I guess most things were back then pre-DVR, but we're not. We DVR'd it. We DVR'd it. We DVR'd it because we'd watch it later, too. We'd continue the journey on because we were absolutely obsessed and i actually remember you rocking the blonde yeah. natalie like you oh. looked so good i feel like you handled it well i mean remember bailey got a trim and she was like having a conniption but you <laughs> we're like dogging on bailey i don't know the girl but anyway <laughs> that's so just the, sweet but yeah that what was, was presented on screen is what i'm you know what i'm responding to but yeah you were like a fierce blonde thank you you know and then I actually, I think I have like blonde dysmorphia or something. I want to be blonde like all the time. Like right now <laughs> I'm my natural hair color because it grew, my all of my highlights grew out during the pandemic. Now I'm doing a show called Legally Brunette. So I'm like, just keep it, just yeah. keep it. You um, have to at least for yeah. this run. Yeah. I really love being blonde. I will say that blonde though, if you saw it in person, it was sort of this like French vanilla okay. canary yellow color that was, it needed to be toned. Um, More of a honey blonde. It was, yeah. It was rough. And they, they bleached, they did me and Autumn real dirty because, you know, they only had a certain amount of time and to go from dark to light that quickly is, is really hard. Same with Autumn's hair because, and hers had texture curlier, really yeah. not supposed to bleach that kind of hair like that. They had to bleach my hair two or three times to get it that blonde. And they mm. just put straight bleach. It wasn't like, highlights or anything like that it wasn't like balayage it was like peroxide let's just get her done and um my hair was like fried it was like crispy (laughs) it was so bad yeah that's actually an interesting transition I'm curious like of like a of a highlight from the the time you're on there and then maybe also your cringiest moment or something (laughs) that you just wish was not captured oh my gosh okay well I mean the highlight is really the whole thing but I I think like I really did come away from the show with really good friendships like Kathy S she she didn't come out in, in you know they didn't do her justice in the editing room no. she's one of my best friends to right now you know in my life to this day oh, and awesome. she's just like the most giving wonderful kind generous person and like sadly it was just the circumstances and the way you know they manipulate a show Kathy and I like you know when she she's on tour with six right now yeah. and when she booked it, it was like a kind of, she had to keep it a secret and she had to leave right away. And so she called me on the phone to tell me and she was like, cause you're one of my people. And Aww. you know, it's like, there's so much love and support. And like, even Lena, like she did her Hedwig tour and was in LA for three months and she lived with me and my husband here. <laughs> and like, 
she was our roommate for three months and it was so fun and like you know we just we really all do enjoy genuinely enjoy and support each other so I think that to me is the highlight of it I feel like with all the girls any one of them I just if I called them and was like hey like let's hang out it would be you know well received and like no time has passed you know that warms my heart beautiful yeah they're great they're all great I mean and and Bailey like you know she lives not in a uh, not in New York anymore and um, she's wonderful and like you know when I announced that I was going to do my show it was kind of worried that I, I didn't want any of the other girls to feel any feelings about it because the personal experience and like you don't know what I'm saying up right. there and my show is very much about my own point of view I really don't go into the girls at all actually and so I wanted to make sure that that was a priority that I never talked shit about yeah. anyone or you know really just because also I, I don't have any shit to talk <laughs> about any of them but like you know like Bailey reached out to me and said oh my god if I were in LA I would love to see your show and you know everyone has Aww. been really supportive and, and cool about it that's the spirit of Elle Woods right she'd make yeah. friends I mean, wherever really she is. goes and yeah that's great oh yeah love what, what yeah. was the thorn of the experience yeah was there any sort of I mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's like yeah come see legally brunette on october 21st and 23rd <laughs> it was a very emotional experience i think part of it is that feeling of you give them every single ounce of you and you really hope that even when if you don't win the show maybe it will lead to other things and i think for me i was very resentful for a very long time that it didn't for me mm. directly. I would say indirectly, it's led to so many things, you know, for me, like obviously just even creating this show, like that, that's just a whole other yeah. you know, world of opportunity that has opened up. But, you know, I think it was hard because the show ended and, you know, I, I felt like I kind of got kicked to the side and, and left behind a little. And so that was really hard emotional thing to work through especially as a young person who you know is starting out and you're also kind of being fed these narratives of if you don't win this like what's left you know so the stakes are so high and then when it's over and then you feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you it's really hard to recover yeah from that I can't even imagine. That was a hard thing. As we read on your resume, so much has happened in the years since. And I I, I do have a question about your experiences of working on the middle. What was that like? Oh, it was was great. It was the best. You know, I was 28 when I booked that job and I was playing 16. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got to go to prom at, you know, 30 again. (laughs) I've actually been to a lot of proms and homecomings as, as an adult on television, on television yeah. <laughs> weirdly <laughs> and um yeah it was so great you know I I remember when I auditioned for that part actually kind of a fun actory story I don't know if you want one of those yeah. but about oh, yes. the audition process was so the character I played was one of the there's two head cheerleaders and we're like these you know mean girls essentially <laughs> and the actress who played opposite me was a girl named Brittany Ross who were still best friends in real life and when they had us audition they had us come in and read Courtney and Debbie's one role and then when we had the call back they had us all come in one at a time and read it as one long big role and then the casting director came out and was like okay now we're gonna do chemistry reads 
and mix and match you. Then you're, you're going to switch around and lead them as two roles. And so, okay, so we, the first people in are Natalie Lander and Brittany Ross. They're like, okay, Natalie, you'll read Debbie. Brittany, you'll read Courtney. We read it. It went well. You know, you can feel in the room. It went really well. And then they're like, let's switch them. Okay, we tried that. Okay, let's switch them back. Okay, we tried that. Then they're like, great, thanks. Okay, then, okay, you can go out in the waiting room and we'll mix everyone up. So we go out in the waiting room and Brittany and I were like, that was fun. That was like the first second we met each other. And like, like good job. Yeah, that's great. Okay, cool. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to be like, and then like a couple minutes go by and the casting director comes out and he's like, hey, um, yeah, so uh, we're, we're all good. Everyone can, can leave. Um, we're, we're done for the day. Oof. And <laughs> Brittany and I looked at each other and we were like, Okay. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, we were either so good that we're the choice or we were so bad. They decided to write the characters out completely. (laughs) (laughs) And thankfully it was the first option, but I also felt horrible for the other girls because if the tables had been turned, I would have been real pissed. But that's how, that's how that happened. It was kind of this magical moment. Yeah. They brought us back for six seasons and it was so fun and. Six there was like seasons. there were like over two hundred episodes of him at all. I mean, it was they did, yeah, they did over two hundred, and it was such a warm, welcoming cast. You know, they always made us feel like we were really a part of the world. You know, even though I feel like you know we did such a small amount in such a large amount of of a show. You know, yeah. um, but they always were. They were always like, you know, so welcoming and made us feel like we're part of the middle family. And I'm still friends with a lot of the cast. I I mean, Patricia Heaton, obviously a huge icon, but I had such a crush on Charlie McDermott. I thought he was so cute. (laughs) So cute. I know. I did too. (laughs) Don't tell my husband. (laughs) Is your husband in the industry? Yes. So actually, Jared and I, we met as actors. We were cast opposite each other as fiancés showmans in a play it was a showmance and we did a play actually with the actor fred willard who passed away a couple years ago and yeah we met and kept here here's my drama (laughs) i was with another guy at the time but like i knew i had to get out of the relationship because he was really not good and scary and so anyway oh no um, oh no (laughs) it's okay i'm okay um, okay. I'm well, I should say. There we go. You're very on theme today. You're like, this is my drama for later. I'm well. Like, you're really <laughs> playing into it, Natalie. This is a drama. Yeah. I got it all. I never crossed any professional lines with Jared until I was officially out of that relationship. And so I broke up with the guy. I moved out of our place, ninja style, like within a day. And uh, my mom and I, like, we just took all my stuff and ran out of there. And Jared and I, like, started kind of like, you know, having a flirtate, more of a flirtation, like pretty quickly after that during the show. And then it's been ever since. So that was 13 years ago. Oh my goodness. And we've been together for 13 years and married for five. Congrats. Yeah. And now he, thanks. he's great. He now he's since left the acting world, which I say good for him. What a lucky <laughs> guy. And um, he now is a director and he writes and he directs a lot of commercials, stop motion animation, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of kids content. If I'm doing the math right, you met after the reality show aired. Yes, we met after. So that okay. was, yeah, 2009 we met. Mm-hmm. So was that something you had to be like, so you probably Googled <laughs> me. 
And here, you know, I can explain. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, you know, at that time, even I hadn't had the body of work that I have now. So really the reality show was kind of my biggest thing I had done when I met him. And I think part of me was like a little embarrassed by that because, you know, Mm. reality TV has sort of an icky connotation, but I also do feel like our show was so different. It was really about, it was about talent and the pursuit of this business. So Wait, Natalie, I just realized we haven't asked you something that we ask all of our guests. I which know. Is, we ask all our guests about the Ring of Keys moment, which is inspired by the musical Fun Home. It's like that moment of recognition when maybe you saw a performance or you were in some sort of arts environment or even just like reading a book or something, you know, the choir, whatever it might be, when you realize that you loved the arts and you wanted to be a part of it. Do you feel like you can pinpoint it to one or two experiences? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't really remember a time that I didn't love it or didn't know I wanted to do it because I grew up with a dad who was an actor. And I think from just birth, I saw him and he, my dad was, my dad has since passed away, but you know, he was my idol, hero, best friend, everything. And as a little girl, like I just wanted to be exactly like him. So that's where that all came from because he was kind of the coolest. <laughs> and I'm like, my dad's so cool. Remind me what show he was on. Yeah, so he was on a show called Laverne and Shirley. Right. Your parents probably watched it. Yes. Um, I was literally just going to say, they, they've they mentioned it so many times through the years, so they would know him. He played a character named Squiggy, which was this very kind of like, like a greaser, like wacky neighbor, one of the wacky neighbors. There's Lenny and Squiggy, and there were these duo of these crazy, silly characters. They inspired a lot of comedy TV characters that came after them, like, you know, Urkel, very similar, I would say, even like Kramer from Seinfeld. I mean, you kind of can see like that Lenny and Squiggy sort of influenced a lot of performances. And in my opinion, I'm sure someone might argue, but so he was great. And, you know, he really was my, someone I looked up to. And then I, you know, my grandmother was a on Broadway, Steph, her name was Polly Bergen. And she passed away uh, like eight years ago or seven. And she was a big actress in the 50s, hosted her own variety, like musical variety hour on television. And yeah, all these things. I mean, really old Hollywood. And she was in the revival of Follies on Broadway in 2000, I think it was. And she was nominated for Tony that year. Oh my goodness. Yes. And my grandfather was a big agent. And he was Judy Garland, Judy Garland's agent, Frank Sinatra's agent. I mean, the whole Rat Pack, he discovered Robert Redford. I mean, kind of like these like iconic people, which let me tell you, a little hard to live up to. Sure. <laughs> but, you know. But it was in your blood. It's in it was, blood. Yeah, it, it's sort of in your my DNA. I really do feel that because I felt there's always this really strong pull to being a performer. And it's where I just felt like I belonged and, and it's where I feel the most valued and seen and in my element. Wow. Yeah. That's so incredible that you're able to, you know, share your story now on stages and another part of that whole showbiz family. Yeah. I hope I, you know, I hope I can uh, carry on the legacy. You know, that's how I feel is like, this is the legacy that I've been given to carry on. And it, it is an honor. You know, I do feel that. And even my mom, I do talk about my family in the show and I don't want to give away all, the whole thing, but fun fact, my mom was an actress briefly and she was 
the first female full frontal nudity in a feature film that was not an X rating. <laughs> wow. wow. Wait, that's actually a huge deal. <laughs> Money. <laughs> and then she left the business. And, and like, then she left the business. You after saw that. it all. I have nothing else to give you. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. What film was it? It was a film that I haven't even seen because you know. I mean, look. I, I guess I've seen my mom nude, but sure, um, sure, sure. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's called Johnny Got His Gun, and it was directed by Dalton Trumbo, and it was it came out in the sixties, okay. and it was a warm drama. Um, mm. very bizarre. I do love a war drama. I, this is like really bizarre and like trippy. I don't know. Maybe, you know. Wasn't there a movie made about Trumbo? There was. was and it came out like... kind of recently. Okay. So yeah. So yeah. Very, That's how I think I would know that. Very name. niche. Yeah. It's definitely not your generation or mine. It's, it's well, It was a long time ago. But And my mom's oh my birth mother was a child actress. And she was in, she was like under contract at Columbia Pictures back in the day. And did like 70 films before the time she was 18 years old. Whoa. The studio system was crazy. Crazy. And then her grandma stole all her money. And, it kind of and that's usually what always goes with all of those stories. You know? Yeah, it was this- pre-Coogan laws. So. Yeah. Wow. Your family story is the stuff of fiction. <laughs> I have to say, this is like, this will be in your next solo show. <laughs> That's my other solo show. And I, it's just yeah. called, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do. Oh <laughs> Wait, I did have another question about Legally Brunette. Is there music outside of the Legally Blonde canon included in the show? No. Okay. <gasps> this is a treat. Th- then this is a show for anybody who loves it needs to come and see it because yeah. You hear one song and you want to just listen to them all. So I will say this Weekly Blonde score, first of all, it's one of my, I mean, it's so good. All the songs are so oh, yeah. good. It happened to, like, it was, as I was going through the music and picking what songs went bit where and, like, be, trying to build an emotional arc and journey of where I was going on, in the show, because I play myself in 2008. So you, we're, we go back to 2008 and go on the journey together, you know? And we have so, some loose curls, loose curls in oh, our hair, the maybe? Loose cur- yeah, yeah, I know. I was going to curl my hair today for you, but, and I ran out of time, so I apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll go back to 2008, so I play myself 2008 Natalie the whole way through. I think I'm going to win. <laughs> Spoiler, we know I don't. And so when I was going through the music, I was like, oh my god, like, these songs just happened to line up perfectly with the emotional arc I was trying to build in the story. But I changed the lyrics. So they have parody lyrics that match oh, fun. my journey and story. It's so. perfect because fans of you and fans of The Search for Elle Woods and fans of Legally Blonde the Musical are going to know the songs. So it's going to be an even bigger treat combining all three of these yeah. into this fun new experience. I would say Legally Blonde the Musical is in my top five faves. Of all time. I could watch it again and again. And there's a reason it's had such success everywhere, including like other countries, high schools, community theaters, colleges. It was just in London at the open air theater. You know, like it's, it's really a timeless story that's always going to be relevant. You know, it, it really is. I mean, it, it, it is such a wonderful story of perseverance and standing up in the face of adversity. And like, I know we look at Elle Woods and we're like, well, what kind of, you know, what are you face? But, you know, it really is, I think, a universal story that so many people can relate to. And, 
you know, even Elle Woods' journey that she goes through, you know, it's a similar journey that I went through as a performer and, and all these things. Mm-hmm. It is really fascinating. It's really, it's such a great show. It's, it's perfect. And the movie was perfect. I know. Seriously. I do want to know, you mentioned you have a little Glee story. Is this your dose of drama? Well, this can be my dose of drama. It can be, um, yeah, make it, let's, let's make it your dose of drama. Let's do it. I'll, I'll tell the listeners what to expect. So dose of drama is our closing segment where we share the drama on our minds and our hearts. It could be anything at all that we've been consuming, thinking about, venturing into in our personal lives, whether you're binge watching a show or you just went to see a show or you want to complain, rant, rave. Anyway, Natalie, let's kick it off with you. Like, give me this Glee drama. Okay, so this is also in my show, so I'm just spoilers all over. A little little preview. If you come, you just have to go, oh, and that's what happens. So when I got kicked off the show, I went back to LA and I was pretty, you know, bummed. I actually went back, they actually asked me to, the Legally Blonde production asked me to come back to New York to audition for the national tour. And so I had to fly myself out and audition for the tour again. And I was like, okay, I can't. You're like, you know what I can do? You just watched me do this for six weeks or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think, you know, what was hard for me, and this is one of the things that took a very long time for me to like let go of and have not take personally anymore. But Bailey was number one. She won. She got to play the role on Broadway. Autumn was number mm-hmm. two. She got to understudy the role on Broadway. Oh. I don't know if Lauren or Rhiannon was three or four. I don't remember who was three or four, but yeah. Lauren got to understudy Elle on the national tour. And Rhiannon got to play Margot on the national tour. And oh, number five right. was me. And I yeah. g- got to, you know, I got a, I got a free lunch. <laughs> <Something>, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I got like you know, maybe a, a tote bag. Uh, and I <laughs> and a bad dye job. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got a, yeah, I got a bad dye job and a fucking tote bag. Sorry, am I allowed to curse on? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, too late. I, uh, and I got sent back to LA and then they were like, oh, can you come back? And I paid my way. I flew myself out and I auditioned for, oh my God, what's the character? Chutney, the Chutney track. Kate? Yeah. Kate, Kate. Yes, Kate? you're right. Kate and Chutney. So I, I auditioned for the Kate and Chutney track, didn't get it. <laughs> and that was that. So I was pretty upset, clearly. I'm still a little upset. And yeah, I think you would have pulled it off. Thank you. I just, you know, I think it was just a very weird way to end. And I think now looking back, I'm like, it, it was for a good reason. I probably would not have been happy going on towards playing that track, like necessarily. Yeah. I think that, you know, I just didn't fit anywhere in that puzzle. And that is okay. And yeah. that it worked out for the best. And so I came home and I was back in LA. And that was really the deciding factor where I felt I, I really went through a phase where I was like, mm, and I still kind of feel this way. I was like, New York doesn't want me. Like, it's pretty clear, you know, if I have to go through all these hoops and I still am like, it's a no, then I, I don't know what else I can do to, to make them want to hire me you know LA is my home and this is where I belong and I had this audition for this show called Glee I got a call back and then I had like uh you know brought to the studio and network and creators and I auditioned and I actually bizarrely 
didn't really realize how far I had made it for Glee until a couple of years ago when the casting director, you know, he, and he still always brings me in and he's such a wonderful human said to me one day I was in his office and he was like, God, you know, I just like, can't believe it. You know, it's just like, just between you and, and Leah. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh I mean, I God. knew I didn't get it. I knew I went far. I knew I went as far as I could good. But I didn't know. I never knew it was only down to the two of us. I thought it was down to like four of us. I never knew yeah. that I was anywhere that that close at that point until like years later. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's my drama. I was like, I didn't even know that. I You'd have a totally that. different solo show happening right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm like, wow. Um, so anyway, but. I mean, I remember feeling like I knew I was really close to it because you don't go to the net. Not everyone goes to the network and yeah, has a test right. deal in front of them. And, you know, you right. see how much money you're going to make and all these things. But <laughs> then, you know, I remember being released. Like they were, they have to tell you that it, when you get that far, they, it's not like the phone doesn't ring. They call, they call and say, oh. we're not hiring you, you know? So I, I obviously knew I made it far and I knew I was close, but I, I never really knew I was, was that close until later in life. Um, so that's my That is a gag. I'm, I'm shook. I'm gagged. I almost am like, do I even need to share a dose of drama? Like, this I is know. insane. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Yeah. yeah, so everyone needs to, if, if they listen to this and go see the show, they need to pretend they've never heard that story before. Yeah, but. they can just erase that from their mind. I, I work it in in a fun way, so hopefully it'll still be okay. shocking and fun. But yeah, I mean, 2008 was kind of a rough year for me. <laughs> I know. I was pretty disappointed. Uh, and then I kept going, so I guess I wasn't that scared. Absolutely. And I think the path you've paved for yourself is incredible in its own right. And oh, your body thanks. of work is incredible. <laughs> thank you. I, I feel very lucky that I've had a lot of variety, you know, in my career. And I still have, you know, big goals that I want to achieve that I haven't yet. But, you know. It's all part of the process. I feel like Connor. I feel like we can't do dose. I know you I, nothing. Nothing compares. Yeah, I know. That's we have to leave it at that. <laughs> but everyone should obviously first and foremost get tickets to see your show. It's on a Friday and a Sunday, so there's no excuse if you're busy on one night. There's another one. It's <laughs> next weekend at the time of this, the 21st and the 23rd of October. It's at the most beautiful cabaret venue in the world, 54 below. And you know they should also follow you. You're just Natalie underscore Lander, right on Twitter yep. and Instagram. Yep, that's me. Amazing cross the board branding. And of course, if you're not following us, why aren't y'all? It's at the drama podcast. I'm at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. Natalie, it was such a treat. I loved this. Oh, thanks. I am envious of anyone who gets to see your show live and in person. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me. It was so fun. And thanks for spreading the word about my show because I'm definitely I keep having stress dreams that literally nobody comes <laughs> so it's been fun yeah no that's that's the way it goes and of course we have to give a shout out to our friend Jen Sandler who's producing your show thank you to Jen and thank thanking her right yeah. to introduce me to you I yes. can't speak she's, anymore she's, she's good at that kind of stuff I can't well thank you yes. so Great much character. Natalie all our best to you yes and Connor Thanks. I will be seeing you next time. Drama. Drama.